Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, Adam Jeffries, man, it's cool to have you on the podcast. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for being in here. Let's let's get kicked right off. What uh, what does it mean for you to be intentional? You know, when you that, that, that word intentional can be construed in many ways. You know, and I think in today's era with social medias, Mark, we always tend to think the word intentional is being ne- negative. You know, you intentionally did that to me, or you intentionally oh, did wow. that. But when you look at the word intentional, if you flip it around, it has a pretty positive context. I mean, when I when I try to look at it, to me, intentionally means it's your purpose, it's your word is your worth type of thing. And so, um, you know, when I sit there, and so as as a leader or a sales, you know, sales executive, I'm sitting here trying to say we intentionally want to do this, and that's to me, that's the path forward. That is what we're going to do for our customers, do for our sellers, do for our team. Um, instead of looking at it as a as maybe a harm type of term, and so um, you know, intentionally just just living every day for it, and so kind of making each day the best as as move forward, and and uh, you know, making sure they can see that in me though. Yeah, yeah, super interesting take, right? I mean, the, the con- contrasting of how people use it to describe what somebody's doing to them, yep. right, as opposed to. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, what we typically talk about on this podcast, right. Which is the positive side. Like, Hey, as leaders, we, we get to be more intentional. That's the whole intention behind this podcast. So yeah, super Mark, interesting. Mark, Mark, I love sports and I'm always watching analogies and games. And last night I watched a, a video clip of an intentional balk. Uh, it was a strategy and, and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, that was, that was ridiculous. He should have done that, but then it was genius and he intentionally did it. And so um, it depends on what side you saw it on. Some people saw it very negative, but then some people saw a uh, very positive. This last weekend, Patrick Mahomes slid and instead of scoring a touchdown, he intentionally did that for a reason, but it actually hurt the people in Vegas, so to speak, because they didn't cover the spread. And so it's, it depends on how you look at it, the word intentional. And so, you know, but it's, it's, it's on at us to keep it in a positive light. So yeah. that's just, that's just kind of the biggest takeaway on that word intentional. We got to be careful how we use it. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. All right, so so what are you guys doing to to be intentional around talent recruitment, retention, attraction, all the things in between? What what's working for you guys these days? You know that that talent is a is a big subject right now. I know that our HR team is is uh, I wouldn't say struggling, but they're challenged to find good talent. Um, you know, there's always going to be turnover in organizations, um, you know, good and bad, and so. Um, but you know, what some of the things instead of just having a sign up or an ad up to say we're hiring. We changed it up a little bit and say we're growing, which we are. We're expanding our markets. We're expanding our footprints. And so we're growing. Again, kind of changes that mindset a little bit. If you always have a sign up to say we're hiring, some people kind of take it for granted. But if you're growing, wow, I want to be there. We're expanding. I want to be on that team. I want to I want to get in that winning culture. And so um, we're, we're really doing that. And then we've started doing some some things internally, uh, some leadership programs inside 
um, you know, kind of a, an ACE program, achieving cooperative excellence and, um, you know, really, really doing some grassroots with the sales team and with the operations team. Operations is where we probably tend to find ourselves a little short these days from everybody from from yard laborers to rig operators to truck drivers to scale operators. And so that's probably what we're, we're, we're lacking a little bit. And it's not because the salaries aren't there. It's just because it's just the workload and the demand. And so we're really trying to to figure out how to automate things. Um, trying to figure out how to take the day-to-day -day grind off of an employee. So that way, when they do go home at the end of the night, they look forward to coming back the next day. And so mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing is you got to get them home safe and make sure they want to come back the next day. Yeah. Are, are you guys finding any success with anything specific in that arena? I know a lot of folks are trying to solve for that specific issue, especially at the operational level. It just it's a, it can it can be a tough job, right? It can be a really tough job and it can be very demanding, especially certain times of the year. Before we push record, we were talking about just the fact that there's in ag retail, there's not really a time off where there's a lot of down season anymore, right? <clears throat> and so, and we struggle with that, like trying to you know get people to to come to a training program or fit in a coaching program, and it becomes one more thing that has to be fit in instead of an investment we're making in our people, right? So and, you know, and, and it's, it's a challenge. But yeah, just curious yeah. what you guys are doing that's working, if if anything specific. You know, and I think that's a lot. A lot of it is, is work life balance trying to, you know, that's that's a kind of a buzz where everybody tries to use. And the question is, do they actually act upon it? But, you know, when our HR team sat down with with key leaders or up and comers and just went back to the base of our of our what is our company and said, hey, what do you guys want? What do you want to see? And that's the biggest thing. You can have these meetings and you can collect their feedback. But if they do not see leadership act upon it, it meant nothing. And then it just creates more of a, you know, it wasn't intentional. Go back to back to question one. And so um, when they see the changes that they want um, implemented or at least adopted in some way, shape or form, it helps there. It helps that morale. And so we, we had one simple come up just a few months ago. And it's, it's things that maybe leaders don't think of, but the employees wanted a boot program. You know, we got clothing programs, you know, for shirts and, and safety and stuff like that. But they wanted steel toe boots. They wanted new boots to go to work in. Simple. And, it, and it's it's actually a very small investment, but it changed the whole morale of everybody in the company out in the field. And so that was a simple fix. We would have never thought about that. Asking for two-way feedback is how it works. Yeah. I love that. And I don't think anybody's brought it up yet. Maybe to some extent listening to people uh, has been mentioned, but man, I mean, I, how simple is that? Like what's a pair yeah. of boots cost? Yeah, exactly. Compared yeah. Compared to the cost I mean, of having to replace someone. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something else in there too, though, around like, you know, people seeing leadership do stuff, right. Or, or, yeah. or even just like making the time to have those conversations that requires time and intention. Yep. It does. And it all relates to culture. I bet if you drew these things out in a circle, it wouldn't matter. Or you start crossing them out, you know, culture, intentions, um, emotions, it all, it's all tied together and, and true leaders really get it. So you bet. All right. Well, let's talk about culture for a bit. You know, a lot of people talk about it. Uh, I find a lot of people are not super intentional about creating culture. Yeah. Um, what are you guys doing um, in, in your part of the world to to try to build culture intentionally within your team? Yeah. So when you when you look at culture, I think, you know, I, I, I hate going back to the COVID days and thinking about it. But um, I think when we was all locked down and quarantined is when we probably needed culture the most. Culture is an emotional touch. I mean, it is an emotional touch point. And so, um, you know, I, I heard the other day I was listening to a to a speaker and and he said something that is one of those little aha moments. The light bulb went off and he said culture is is built from the top down, but it's felt from the bottom up. 
Okay. And so, um, you know, sometimes you, you know, you could come out here and say, we're going to do all this, but if, if it's not intentional, it's not acted upon the bottom's not going to feel it. And then, and then nothing gets changed. And so, um, you know, but when you start looking about, you know, like your values, um, you know, listening to the, to the employee, listening to what they want to do, um, you know, and what you can do for them. That's the biggest thing is kind of serving them. Um, I don't want to say you just got to do everything and, and, and roll. There's, there's things we got to do as leaders, but I find myself asking my sales team and my regional directors is, uh, you know, what can I do for you? What can I take off your plate? What can I, what can I follow up for you on to help get a quicker turnaround time? Just taking it off their plate a little bit. It just helps build trust rapport, which all relates to a better culture. Um, you know, right now I've been hearing some really good things in the sales team about, about the direction of the company. They really like the path we're on. They like where we're going. And a lot of it is just because, you know, we're getting answers, we're getting response, we're being heard. That's a lot of it. It's just, it's just being heard. Mm. What a difference just being heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's something simple, right? Yeah. It's it's simple, right? And and I think if if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about how to how do I deploy that within my team, and I do, right? I mean, I get to also deploy that within you know we're growing a little sales team over here, uh, we're 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 growing, you know, we're in 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 growth mode, and we're capturing business, and we're trying to put those some of those dollars back into the business so that we can serve more clients and 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 do it better and all those things. So what's um, it's, it's it's so listening, right? Having those conversations, being open to to getting that feedback, uh, doing the following through on some of those things, right? That we're that we're hearing, uh, like your boot program and stuff. Where do you find the biggest challenge in being able to, I mean, hook the the wagon up to the horses, so to speak, and actually make st stuff happen? Like, what's what 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 are the biggest hiccups happen in your experience? I think the biggest hiccup and whether you're building culture or delivering emotions, delivering results, it's probably the communication flow. Um, and, and so, so when there's decisions made or maybe it's expansion decisions, or maybe it's, maybe it's on the, on the other side, maybe it's a reduction in workforce, or maybe it's, and I'm going back over the last 25 years of professional life, corporate America, retail all goes through hiccups and hurdles and changes. And so um, I've seen the biggest thing that can, that can build uh, you know, to get everybody together is the communication flow. Um, you know, how we communicate, the tone we communicate, and, but probably necessarily the speed we communicate. You know, I went through a situation just yesterday where an employee found out about a decision we made online and, you know, he was pretty bothered by it. Um, you know, but it was it was one individual out of maybe 25. And so did the other 24 not care or is it just one just really passionate about what he does? And so, but I addressed it immediately. I called him and I was like, you know, yes, this is, there's a rhyme and a reason for this, but yes, there, I need to hear you. I need to probably understand, you know, if there's something that you know, we're doing in your area that affects your day to day, you probably need to know about it before us and uh, before maybe the external audience. And, and he thanked me. I mean, he said, yes, that, that's good. I appreciate that. And I do understand there's a, there's a reason you got to do what you got to do, but he's like, but you know, just keep me in mind. And I think that probably resonated a lot. It didn't solve the, it didn't solve his emotional frustration, but it maybe it made, it made him feel hurt. It made him feel like, all right, he actually heard me and I cares about it. And so, um, you know, that's just, that's the, that's the thing about, it's just the communication flow and the speed. And, and, and again, is it intentionally delivered for the right reason? Mm -hmm. Wow. <clears throat> you know, one of the big ch challenges I'm finding right now is just in taking my, my new sales team member who's young and, and great at networking and great at doing outreach. And that's one of the reasons he's here. So I said, okay, Hey, go start putting some of these appointments on my calendar. Yep. And next thing you know, calendar's full. <laughs> it's working great. <clears throat> right. It's working great. 
And I also, I have to be intentional enough to help him evolve. Yep. Right. Cause it can't just always be about putting appointments on Mark's calendar at some point, right? Yep. Now you got to learn how to take that from where you're at today uh, to cool. Well now maybe you can take it through the first discovery meeting. Yep. Exactly. And maybe you can take it to close <clears throat> after yep. that or, or write the proposal. You know, so there's, there's the evolution of that in, in, from, I'm always, I don't know why, but I'm always surprised at the amount of work that now requires of me. And I have to, like, I have to jump off on some of these calls afterwards and like get into my word doc and start crafting out this, you know, sales program. And what's that mean? And what, well, how does, how does a commission work differently? What's the financial incentive? Is that different based on what he's doing now? And if he takes it all the way to close, is that worth more? Right. We have to really think through, there's a lot of detail and strategy and chess playing that happens from a leadership level that that we have to be so intentional about. And I think that's where a lot of people go off the rails is that, a lot of leaders just get overloaded with so much stuff. You're always putting out fires. So when you even have time to be intentional, to think about something as simple as, I mean, theoretically simple as crafting an incentive program. Yeah. Right. You and know, I think of it as delegating. Stuff. Yeah, no, that's, and that's great. And you, you, you're, you've hit it, you've hit it spot on. I look at it as, as leaders uh, when, when you transition from maybe management to leadership, Sometimes that that fear or that art of and it is an art of delegation um, tends to to over overburden you. And so I find myself and I and I've told my my direct reports I don't want you to feel like I'm dumping stuff on you. I'm trying to empower you. I'm trying to help you make decisions and see it from a different light. So when someday when you're in my shoes or in my chair, you understand that you're prepared for it. You know, it's it's my job is to develop these guys and gals for the next step. So. Yes. And therein, therein lies the need. And that's why this is called the intentional agribusiness yes. leader, yep. not yep. just the the business leader or the agribusiness leader, because this is the piece that we're trying to really help people think through is like, what does it mean for me to be intentional? What are other people doing? What can I incorporate into my own business? And then you know, what does that mean for me? How does that work? You know, and if, if we can get a few people just being a little bit more intentional about themselves, that that will be great. So with that in mind, um, I'm going to jump down the list here a little bit, but so what do you do? What, what's, what does Adam do to be intentional for himself? How do you grow yourself as a leader? What's, what are you, what are you reading these days? What's, what's important, you know, for you in that arena? And I, I tell you, Mark, that is one thing that I've got to get better at. And I, and I, and it's broke down on my, on my daily goals is actually doing more reading. Um, you know, when you, when you get caught up in life and you get caught up in work, uh, sometimes the books do not get opened. Um, and but we've gotten really good at probably listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks, but there's just something for me about actually reading it. And I've got to take my brain and I've got to switch it to off mode and really read it to understand and not be thinking about I'm reading a book, but yet I'm thinking about the sale from yesterday. I'm thinking about this employee situation. And so I've really got to yeah, I find myself struggling to probably shut my brain off and focus on the book. But um there is a book I'm reading today, and and um it's and it's and some people may have heard of it. It's called I Love It Here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's by Clint Pulver. Um, they call him kind of, it, it, and if I had to put it, if I had to sum it up, it's like undercover boss in book. And this gentleman goes into businesses and he goes, and what we say earlier, cultures felt from the bottom up, right? He goes into these companies as like a secret shopper. Um, you know, just nobody knows who he is and what he's doing. He just talks to the employees and say, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about coming to work here. What do we do? Or I'm thinking about buying some stock here. What do we do? And, and, um, but then he compares it to what the owner or the CEO or the leader says. 
And he compares and contrasts. And Mark, there's a massive differences in all industries between what the leadership says and what the culture at the bottom is saying. And so he puts this in a book. And it's and it's the, the top line is is um, this is a book that all employees wish their boss would read. And that caught my attention. So I'm like, all right, there's probably something in there, there's a golden nugget in there that I can take away. And um, but it, it has a lot of short stories and a lot of situations. And that's I'm a situational person. And I love reading that book. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's 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 evolved around sporting goods stores and it's involved around uh, corporate America. It's involved around the, probably the retail stores that you and I walk in every day. Um, it's just really good. And I've, I've enjoyed it. And so as a leadership team at the company at, at work, we're actually going through a couple chapters a month and taking a deep dive. Um, as you know, the top 10 leaders in the company, we're going through there and, and discussing it as leaders and then kind of breaking it down into our departments with situations we've been in and, and maybe employees that, you know, would, would fit well and, and, and kind of a, like a, like an internal grassroots. And so that's how you got to look at it, but I've enjoyed this one so far. And so I, this would be one, I'd probably go back and reread in a few years from now, if I had to. Wow. That's, that's cool. So it's called, uh, I love my job. I, no, it's called, I love it here. Oh, I love it here. I, I love, love it here. here. Yeah, by Clint like, Polver, P-U-L-V-E-R. And okay. it's just a really good book. Yeah. All right. We got to, we'll have to link that up somewhere so people can go grab that from Amazon and give it a sure. read. <clears throat> Sounds really interesting. Very cool. What's, uh, you know, what's been one of the biggest hurdles you've had to overcome? You know, um, you know, I guess the hurdles, it's just always defined on, on how much they affect us. But I think, you know, looking back over the last 20 years, you know, it's, it's probably hard to pick out. There's always been specific um, episodes or moments. But I think if, if you had to sum it up, I think when you look at it, when I look at all my um, different leadership roles and different different positions I've held, I think one that spills over into um, each company, each each field is just internal chaos. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if it's because it's not because we're not busy enough. And I don't I just don't know what it is, but it's and so I'm working on it. But I've, I'm finding that internal chaos is and it can be it can be positive. It really can. You know, when you start asking for feedback, it creates chaos. It creates ideas and, and dreaming and where you're whether you're looking to expand a, into a new region. It creates conversations and what I can solve, you know, can say busy chaos. Um, then also, we again, we think of chaos as sometimes negative. But um you know, I think that's probably been the biggest hurdle as a leader is probably keeping that to a minimum. But it's it's getting again back to communication, getting the right information out timely and direct, but then not letting um, the base of the company or not letting um, the operations team or not letting other segments of the company assume that's dangerous when you let members of your team or you keep them in the dark. And you know, it's one of the deals. You know, I, I heard. I heard an analogy when you walk in and you see the top six people sitting in the company behind a glass door and everybody's yelling and angry, you walk away thinking, oh my gosh, something's big's coming. Something's, something's not good. And so then that person goes and tells a couple people, then it just spreads like a, a range fire. And so um, that's, that's chaos. That's internal chaos. And so, um, you know, I find, you know, it doesn't matter where I've been. There's always some of that internal assumptions, um, whether you're a Fortune 500 company um, or whether you're a, an entrepreneur with, 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 uh, three people. And so it's, uh, there's, there's always going to be that. And so yeah. you just got to communicate through it and make sure the information is timely and, and accurate. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super interesting and relatable, um, you know, story on my part. One of the books that I've been reading this year, uh, cover to cover is the old Testament. <laughs> and as I've gone through, all of the stories and of, of building up, you know, all the, all the, especially in Kings, as you get into the books of, you know, first and second Kings, you, and you read about 
all the different leaders of of uh, Judah and the different leaders of Israel and the things they did and didn't do and so on and so forth. <clears throat> what I'm finding as you describe internal chaos at the company today, this is a human pattern that is no different over the last several thousand years. It is yep. consistent and predictable because as soon as you start making a decision as a leader, you know, and then one of the biggest decisions they had to make as a leader in the Old Testament time was, do I allow them to continue worshiping their pagan gods or do I not? Yep. Right? Yep. And, <laughs> and so do we allow them to continue worshiping their false idols or do we not? Right? Yep. And, and I'm not, you know, not trying to, to, to get into a sermon here, but it's super interesting. In every case, as you go through the Old Testament, every time they allow the worship of the false idols, the the leader doesn't last very long. Yep. Or if they do, they lead through chaos the entire time and they're constantly grifted in battle. Whether yep. they're battling battling internal or battling external. And those, right, of course, that are uh defining this is what our culture is going to be. This is what we're going to be about. And this has been, I've read this because in, in part I just wanted I I I've read the scripture. I've read um, parts of it, right? And, and you've heard, heard it in church my whole life, but never read it cover to cover, word for word. So I'm finally going through and and it, it has been eye-opening to me. It's the best culture book ever written. Yep. Uh, and it's the, and, and Leviticus was literally an HR manual for <laughs> for the Jewish people. Yeah. Uh, but what's what's been really interesting is noting, and this is one of the big lessons for me, noting that when I say this, when I decide this is what we're going to be about, uh, and then, and this is what we're going to, what we'll allow. And this is what we won't allow within our culture. That leader has greater success. And that's the leader that lasts for 29, 39, yeah. 40, you know, plus years. And the yeah. other ones don't. Yeah. So super interesting, right? That's one of the biggest hurdles also that one of, that my clients are challenged with is dealing with the internal strife. Yeah. So, and, you know, and I think there's a lot of that, you know, there's, there's been some people exit the company um, and it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard when you lose good people, but sometimes it's a relief when you lose somebody that maybe doesn't fit into the organization, the organization that can evolve. And sometimes it outgrows people and, um, you know, or, or the ideas. And so, you know, there's, there's multiple opportunities to ask questions and say, you know, here's the direction. What do you think? Um, but some people just don't belong. And so, um, you know, and I, and I hate to think of it that way, but it is, um, there's, there's been times where people have, um, intentionally left the company on their own will and the morale, the, let's say the internal chaos kind of goes down a notch. And so, you know, sometimes they're keeping that fire stirred up and we're dumping gas on that fire. And so it's, uh, it's sometimes it's a relief when some of these things take care of themselves and, and, but sometimes it, but it takes a leader to, to realize what's going on. And, um, but again, that's kind of felt from the bottom up. And so sometimes that mid-range leader, those location managers, those people fighting that front line has got to communicate that also. And so it all comes back to being on the same team, the right seat on the bus. Mm -hmm. There's an old saying that, uh, and I cannot remember, we've, we have said it over and over on our coaching calls over the years. I can't remember the source. So maybe somebody can, can cite this for me. Uh, this is not a Mark Jewell original by any stretch. I just want to be clear. I'm not taking someone else's work and making it mine. The quote is that nothing will cost you a good employee faster than watching you tolerate a bad one. Yep. I, I, I just saw something along that lines on LinkedIn last night or this morning when I woke up. And I, and I've, I think it was on Leadership First or something on, on LinkedIn. And I've read and I've seen that. It just shows up every 
week. Like somebody likes it new and it just keeps coming back up. I'm like, there's a reason. That's probably the most popular. I saw a meme or a quote that pops up in my LinkedIn feed is that one right there. And then in, in some way, shape or form. So yeah. yes, absolutely. Good. Hey team, please forgive this quick intrusion into the podcast, but I have a really important announcement that I want everybody to get their earballs on. And that is that we have an upcoming thriving leader event coming up August 21st and 22nd. The Thriving Leader is our flagship program. We have run this thing over 135 times across the broad scope of agriculture. Thousands of people have gone through this and our coaching programs and our public events each year are free. We only run two of these per year because of that. And your next chance to get access is coming up on August 21 and 22. The next one will not be until 2025. So we hope to see you. It's in Kansas City. Head on over to thriving-leader.com. That's thriving-leader.com. You get all the details and a book a meeting to see how you can get free access for you and some of your team coming up at The Thriving Leader in Kansas City, Missouri, August 21st and 22nd, 2024. We'll see you there. Okay, well, so um, what's been a big win win for you over the years? Let's talk about that. What's uh, we talked about struggle? Let's talk about a win. What's uh, what's gone well? You know, I think some people they think of win as something tangible. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's a a promotion or an accolade or a promotion, but um, I look at it as something maybe you can't touch every day. It's the relationships. Um, you know, as as I've started out, you know, I'm 25 years in. Um, you know, into my I'm probably on the I think dawned on me the other day. I'm kind of over halfway point, you know, whether it's in my working career, I, and I'm like, woof, I'm on the back. I'm on the, I need to step it up. And for the first half was kind of a, the first half of that game was a little sloppy. And so, you know, yeah, I got to play the, the last two quarters here pretty good, but um, I think it's relationships, Mark, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm at a trade show or, um, you know, at, at a Friday night football game. Um, it's the relationships that you meet from all the industry. Um, and so, it's, you know, I see it on social media, you know, people kind of adding and stuff on LinkedIn, but, you know, I've got relationships from, from when I started my very first internship um, in, uh, in college, uh, working for the cargo company. Some of those friendships I made there 20, that 25 years ago, they're still there. You know, they're on social media, you know, how you doing? How's your family doing? Um, you know, it's, it's relationships that are built, you know, the, the first few employees that I ever got the opportunity to lead, quote unquote, lead in my professional career, um, still very good friends with. And, you know, and I've left that organization, but they still stay in touch and they talk about the good old days, you know, and that means a lot. You know, that means a lot when they look back and say, you know, I remember this day when we did this or this meeting. And so or we went on this trip together. And so um, I spent a stint with a, with a fertilizer company, the Mosaic Company, and I had the opportunity to take a lot of employees down to Florida and, you know, do some training and look at the mine tours. But we always wrapped up with some top golf or some or some bay fishing, um, you know, somewhere on a rooftop, you know, watching the sunset in Florida. And those are the things it's about. Then those are relationships. As I as I travel back out to Western Kansas and I see a, a winter trade show in Wichita, it's always a, Hey, remember that time we went? And that's, I think that's the biggest reward. And it's cause they never go away. I mean, and it, and, but again, you got to kind of react to that at first word, you got to be intentional to keep those developed and keep those in a positive light and, and not take advantage of them. And so, you know, you just, you can't take advantage of those friendships, but, um, and then, you know, some, some it's, it's always nice when they get reconnected. And I think we're in a, in a very connected world today. And so, which probably helps a lot, but um, I think that's probably the biggest win is, is all the, is, is all the connections and all the, the positive memories and, and, but then also what's to come, 
You know, I'm here today because of, of a past connection. And so, you know, it's, it's good. I, I, yeah, I look at it in a positive light. What do you think we need? I know we, you know, we connect through LinkedIn and, and other social media platforms. If I put a Snapchat out, I mean, hundred and some people, 200 and some people look at it every time. If I put out a TikTok, you know, there's tons of people watching this stuff. I don't, most of them, I don't know who they are. Occasionally yeah. someone I know reaches out and says, Hey, thanks yeah. for making that. I'm like, okay, yeah. that felt really nice. Like it's good yeah. to hear yeah. some feedback. Most of the time you don't hear anything. <laughs> but what do you think, what are we missing? I mean, are we, are we missing more in-person connection these days? Are we missing more, like, do we need more events or time at the bar? I don't like, <laughs> you know, what, what do you think is important for, it just feels like we're, um, we're connected, but we're not sometimes. You know, I think that nightcap or that cocktail hour is always really important. Mark, every time you go to a trade show, there's always a happy hour, right? Um, right. They call it happy hour for a reason. You got a beer in your hand and you're and everybody's smiling and happy and shaking hands. But, you know, I, and I, th- I tell this, you know, we're in a we're in a connected world. We're in an instant time uh, reality. But I look back. One of the positive things that did come out of COVID is how much we missed people. And what I always heard was. I miss the smile when, when the, when the mask, when the masks came off people like, man, it's nice to see a smile and not just a frown. And so um, that resonates. I mean, that, that really does. It's, it, it can be complete strangers. And when you think about body language, you know, when you're walking up, whether it's a customer service agent um, at, at a retail store, when you, when you first take those first few steps to the desk and you're smiling, it probably brings a little bit of relief to that person. And it's, it is, I think human touch, human emotion, is key. And I think, and it scares me, we're leaving that a little bit. Um, and I, I've got two kids right now, they're in high school and they're venturing off to college in a few years. And it does scare me a little bit on how much they rely on digital connections. And, um, but it, it, maybe it's just a reality that I need to accept, but I've, I've, ta- I've taught my kids how to shake hands, how to say thank you, how to say please, um, learn a second language, learn some things that just do not require two thumbs on a keyboard or on a phone. Um, how to set at a table and have a have a, have a uh, with your 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 place setting in a professional restaurant or or a, or a a sophisticated environment and be able to communicate through the situation and mm-hmm. it just it's it, those are skills that I was probably taught in 4H and FFA and and as a as a young leader um, that that are going away and it is it is it does bother me a little bit but you know I just got to do my best again come back and bring that human element back into the process as much as I can. And so um, I find myself saying, you know, I, I have I have representatives and reps all the time reaching out saying, hey, let's get together. I want to promote this product or promote this this sales tool. Let's just do a virtual meeting. I'm like, well, if you're, if you're within a couple hours, I'll, let's meet halfway. That's how I am. Let's just mm-hmm. let's get together and, and shake hands and and see each other. You know, that to me, that's that's way more important than than probably a virtual meeting from halfway across the U.S. But, yeah, you know, we are in changing times, though. Yeah, that you know, it's been one of the things where you know the 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 structure of our business has always been, we'll do a a, a two day training and then we follow that up with twelve weeks to a year's worth of coaching and and we still do that. That's not going away. It's just the that's the cornerstone of how we operate. And our you know our coaching is done virtually. We can't be out on boots on the ground with twenty yeah. different companies that yeah. we have on our roster right now. Uh, we'd love it, man. If you if we had that many companies close by, we'd do it. Sure. <laughs> we'd go sell them all. Um, and, uh, but you know, up to, up through 2019, man, like that was very special and different. That level of delivery, the level of service, the high touch that we were providing was very different coming out of 2021. What we're finding is that it has, it's, it's still better maybe than, a, uh, your typical 
two day training. Here's your three ring binder. Go get them tiger, you know, kind of approach. That's not how we operate. That's not what we believe in. And what I'm also finding is a lot of our people are just a little bit overloaded with calls with the, with the zoom. So it's like we took the inefficiency out of in-person meetings out of 50 to 75% of the conversations moved it here. Now we're just doing more of them. Yeah. (laughs) And so just like PowerPoint was great and beneficial back in the late nineties, when it first became a big thing, then it got overdone. And I'm afraid that we're moving the same way with these virtual meetings. And so we're looking for, we're actually innovating our business right now to find the next, you know, the, the next way that we can integrate into sure. the lives to, to offer, to continue offer coaching as a, and, and do it differently. But that's something that we've battled. And I think a lot of, I think it's just overwhelm of digital communication. I just, I feel it's, it's, uh, I can appreciate about in-person trainings, you know, we can call them inefficient, but there's, it's hard to put a price on, on energy and can, and, and networking. And it's really hard to network on a Teams event or a virtual event. Um, I had one the other day with a vendor and, 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 and I just, and I hung up and I, and I, when it was all done, we, we've done a series of three or four of them with, with uh, kind of some cross-selling, cross-training, networking across the U.S. and Canada. And part of me wished, and I wish we was all in a room. You know, we, we spent a couple hours on these, on these virtual meetings and I thought, man, it would just, the conversations that would, you know, would, would come out of that and the growth would come out would be so much better if we was all in a room. And now I know it's probably not possible. But it's uh, there was some there is some great ideas out there and there's some great people out there with some great ideas. And I just but sometimes feeling that energy and feeling those connections face to face is is there's it's hard to put a price on that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> we, we talk about the four different levels of value in our work. Yeah. And so there's transactional, which is just, you know, the exchange of money for goods and services. And there's expected. These are things, you know, the expected value, things you got to do to stay in the game. Right. This is just table stakes. You have to sure. be able to basically provide good products, services at a competitive price, right? To be in the business. And then there's what we call the value add. And this is where every company is trying to differentiate and do something better or different in order to capture market share, right? And everybody's got their own twist, their own thing. Uh, and and uh, well, we'll here, here's what we learn about anything that's value add today. If it's good, it's going to get copied. And if it gets copied, it eventually becomes expected. Yep. Right? Yep. And so... Yeah, that's that's where it's super interesting, right? So that in-person, like face-to-face, that used to be the ultimate. Now it's become like almost like, well, how many face-to-faces, where I'm meeting on Zoom right now, how many how many calls like this can I put on my calendar in a day in order to meet efficiencies, right? So that was like, the, the, the but the value add was, hey, you, I mean, you don't have to drive an hour to come meet me, right? And you don't have to pay for a plane ticket you know, yep. to go see someone, right? There's, there's yep. cost getting saved. So the value add was a time savings, but now guess what? Everybody's doing it. So guess what? It's going to become, right? And so yep. it takes the value out of it. Yep. And now I actually think that face-to-face, you know, that like whatever, whatever the next level of intentional is, that's going to start to creep back up into that value add. And that's the, the, the fourth level is partnership, right? So partnership mm-hmm. is... <clears throat> I mean, these days in, in some ways is becoming like we're in a, if I'm in a text message conversation with you, I'm like I'm more likely closer to a partnership. Sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Than if I was sitting down face to face sometimes because we're texting each other ideas sometimes late at night. I might send you a meme, right? Because yeah. I think I think Adam's gonna think this is funny as hell. <laughs> it's not even related to what we do. <laughs> yeah. Right. But they're exactly just- right. No, I think of it, you know, and, and we, you know, I've worked in product development. You know, sometimes we talk about product life cycles. But we got to think about 
the sales life cycle. You know, what's, what are we doing today that we're going to have to evolve and get better at next year and, and tweak and adapt uh, to stay ahead of competition? And you're right. When you're doing something really, really well, the competition will come out and say, I got the same thing, but I can do it just a hair cheaper um, or I can do it just a little different. And so um, I've told our, told our sales team, if we're getting good feedback, that's good. But that's also scary because it's going to have to be changed and evolved to the next step. And we've seen some of that. We've we've bundled we've bundled some packages, and I'm working on doing some cross selling and uh, with different departments. We got some things that our competition maybe can't do today. And so um, again, so I look at it as a product life cycle is the same as a sales and leadership life cycle too. Uh, you got to keep it keep it fresh. Exactly. Well, and so then the same starts to apply to our organizations, right? So if yep. it's helping you capture good talent, guess what? Yeah. Somebody else down the road is going to find a way to do the same thing, right? Offer that just. $2,000 a year more. Yep. Yep. You're <laughs> exactly not, right. right. Yep. So, all right. So uh, real quick, I just hit a couple things here at the, as we bring this in for a landing. Um, what, um, what, what have you, what do you do to maximize your productivity? We just talked about time savings by doing virtual meetings, but what, what do you do to maximize your productivity, stay alive, keep uh, and keep thriving throughout the day? You know, I think a lot of it is, is, you know, kind of coming back to that internal chaos. Sometimes we have personal chaos in life. I think the biggest thing that I've found as when I look at my cal, I have to look at my calendar three to five times a day, every day to see what's been put on or what people's added to it or what I've accepted. Maybe what I forgot about one, the, the number of thing for me today to keep thriving is being organized, you know, not writing down, um, being planned, uh, you know, where it's, it's, it's call prep, uh, you know, today, you know, today I, I prepared for this podcast as, as, as relaxed and casual as it is, Mark, I was prepared for it. And, but you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to thrive on this podcast being prepared than printing off the sheet five minutes before and not having a clue what's coming or have no idea what's coming. And so that's the biggest thing is we get spread thin. Um, our audience expects instant results. And so sometimes I got to set that precedent you know, my office hours, I'm always available. Well, sometimes we're always available by these little phones and these little iPads, and that can be dangerous. And so um, there's times where I've said, hey, I'm going to disconnect this weekend. Um, I'll be back with you Monday. And you guys set that expectation. If not, I went through a situation the other day where um, a, an employee sent a message uh, to me um, on it was a Saturday afternoon. And on Monday, uh, he asked, did I do something wrong? Are, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, well, I sent you a message. I didn't get back from you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was at kids events and I was at church and I said, it was the weekend. But my, my comment was, I was like, you need to unplug. You need to slow down a little bit. There was, you know, and I just, I, I said, I apologize. You know, and I said, you know, if you, if you just got to be a little bit more clear with it, but um, you know, a lot of it's just communication, organization, um, and just, and again, trying to limit that personal chaos. That doesn't spill into internal chaos. That's how I kind of, that's what I'm doing day to, to keep my sanity. But then at the end, you got to unplug and you got to bring energy into your personal life. Go to the gym, go fishing. I have a, a, a terrible hobby of restoring Peterbilt semis. And so it's, it's, <laughs> it's a very expensive hobby, but you know, but it's, it's fun. And so um, unplugging and putting some energy into something that matters personally is big. Um, getting back into church, getting back, you know, sometimes just going out to the shed and sweeping the floor. That's just some of the best things I enjoy, you know, turn on the music and unplug. So I find myself leaving my, leaving my phone at home is, is sometimes I do on the weekends. I just don't need to be connected all the time. So, yeah, I'm a big believer in boundaries. I know a lot of people yep. talk about boundaries. A lot of people are not very good at implementing boundaries and I want more people to really maybe even rewind a little bit right there and hear what you said. And 
as a leader, there's a lot of power in that, right? Because A, yeah. that's serving you. And in our work, we say we can only infuse others to the degree that I first infuse myself. We call this the law of infusion. So yep. a lot of people pouring from an empty cup. And if you find yourself pouring from an empty cup far too often, then what that means is you, you probably need to go fill yours up for a minute before you yep. keep, keep trying to pour and it's just dry. You know, That's where resentment comes from. Yep. Right? And what we say is every time that I have become the most resentful in life is because of the times that I've been the least intentional with my life. Yeah. Right. You know, we, I, uh, I read a book years ago. Um, I want to say the author's name was Brian Dodge. And if I remember right, it's been, gosh, it's been years ago. Um, but he had a book, it's called like, I think it was called Bring Energy Home. And it was talking about leaving work at work and home at home. Um, and it was just talking about divorce rates. It was talking about turnover rates in companies. And it was just talking about really how to create a boundary and disconnect. Um, but, you know, as, as we become more professional, we're expected to be connected just 24 seven. And that's just, uh, that's just some things we got to get better on. And so in my team where we are segmenting our customer lists, we're working with the intentional customers who want to work with us. We are probably segmenting away from maybe that customer that let's just call it the pain customer, the guy that the guy or gal that just isn't there for your best results. Uh, and we have those. There are there's that person that will take advantage of every dollar or every hour you'll give them. And so um, it's it's been a relief. I've seen some I've seen our sellers maybe add people to their sales list that they enjoy working with that which that helps engage them. Um, and I've seen some customers come off some lists or they slide them around the different personalities on the team. Like, hey, I think you'd be good to go work with this customer. You guys really jive. And I love when I see that because it's, if your personalities don't align. You're, you're not going to serve them and they're not going to serve you to the, to the fullest degree. So absolutely. Well, we've talked about it on a number of episodes um, already in the recording of this first season. And it's time and time again, it's, it's Pareto's principle, 80, 20 rule, right? 20% yep. of your business come from 80% of your, 80% of your business is coming from 20% of your customers. Yep. Well, let's go focus and figure out how do I spend if, if Adam's one of my top 20% customers, I want to spend more time with that. You're absolutely right. and, yeah, I mean, and I am we're segmenting customers by some margins and by but then we're looking at, at future opportunities and, and I've told them I said if you got a customer with only one check mark out of six segmentation buckets, you need to evaluate the relationship with that customer. And if they're not going to get into other buckets or if they're not going to get into the digital world or get into the into 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 our you know our tools and offerings, then maybe maybe we've outgrown them. Maybe maybe they just don't appreciate what we have or they're missing the experience. So let's just not leave them. Let's go see what they expect. And so um, I have my sellers always asking, you know, what can I stop doing for you? What can I start doing? But then what can I continue to do? And so there's there's a difference in those three questions. And I've told them, I'm like, I have a feeling when you get into your true solid relationship with your customers, it's not going to be about price. It's going to be more about things that you can do as a service or time or communication. Mm -hmm. And so rarely does your best customer tell you, you got to be cheaper all the time. And so, cause they understand the value in your relationship. You bet. I, I love that. So what do I stop doing? What do you want me to keep doing? Yep. Right. And what can and I continue what, to do? And yep. what, can I, and what do you, what, what can we start? What can we stop? And, and what can we continue? That's great. <clears throat> and I think I, I would love more people to go have that conversation with their customer because, uh, you know, in, in another thing that we say in our work, I've said that a lot today, but uh, I get to train others how to treat me. I get to train my yep. customer how to treat me in some cases. And that's where yep. I, we, we work with a lot of ag retail salespeople who feel very much um, at the mercy of their farmer customer. I, I, I told my the farmers, my friend, my friend Colin Steen says the farmer is the North star. Yes. The farmer is the North star, but they don't have to steer your ship. Yep. 
<laughs> I, uh, I, I I told my sellers and I told my regional leaders, if a customer tells you to start doing something or ask you to start doing something and you don't, you should not expect a lot out of that situation. You know, they're telling you exactly what they want from you or what they do expect. And, and I would make sure you follow up on that. And so if they tell you to stop doing something for the, for the love of Pete, stop doing it. You know what I mean? That's just a, you know, and it could be, and, it, and it's, it's usually not around price. It's around text. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by how many farmers today or producers today are saying, quit calling me all the time. Just text me back to that digital, that digital touch. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, there needs to be a mix of it, but you got to respect what they want. You know, and I, I've always asked my customers, how do you want me to communicate with you? You know, it kind of comes back to that. What do you expect? So. Yep. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, Adam, this has been a, a, a short masterclass in uh, <laughs> intentional leadership. You've done a great job. I appreciate your intention and preparation and your time, man. You bet. I appreciate it. It was good. Thank you very much. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.